This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn, or should I call it the uh, the Daily Show with Mitch LaFawn? Uh, yes, it is Mitch Marathon Month, where I am trying to clean out the closet of interviews that have been uh, accumulating. And uh, I have to say, I am not, uh, I, well, I'm not being successful. Yesterday, I put up one interview, and I did three. So I got to clean out the closet by going into a negative two <laughs> kind of situation. Anyway, listen, I have got interviews for you, including uh, today's with Little Steven, Carl Palmer, Alan Parsons, David Freiberg, Janet Gardner, FM's uh, Steve Overland, producer David Prater, uh, Dave Amato, who plays with REO Speedwagon, Sherry Curry, Gary F uh, Peel, I was going to say Phil, but Gary Peel of uh, Boston, and, um, he, oh, oh, and I have got a terrific one for you. If uh, you listened to the Ted Nugent episode, Ted said, hey man, we should get Tom Worman on the phone and we should talk about, well, and I went, okay. I can do that. So I phoned uh, Tom and I said, listen, Ted wants to do a chat with a producer anyway. So uh, Ted phones me on a scheduled time on um, uh, earlier this week and I connect Tom. And it's funny because at the beginning, you know, Ted starts off being Ted and, and Tom's like, oh, this is a joke. It's not the real guy. It's like, no, it's it's the real Ted, my friend. And uh, they ended up spending, I'm trying to think, it was about 55 minutes on the phone just talking about all the albums they worked on together and reminiscing about the good old days. So I have Ted Nugent and producer Tom Worman talking music. And uh, they, they, they'll they have to, to confirm this, but I, I got a feeling that they hadn't spoken in you know, a good 10 or 15 years. Now, I could be wrong. I didn't ask them specifically, have you spoken in 10 or 15? But I had a feeling that it's been a long, long time since they've spoken. So I've got that for you. Now, um, today, I have got the one and only Little Steven. And he is out on the road in, uh, well, in uh, Quebec here on uh, July 6th and in uh, Montreal on July 8th. And if you haven't gone to any of his shows, or if you don't have tickets, uh, do do get those now. And he's got a new album out called Summer of Sorcery, featuring the Disciples of Soul. But uh, Summer of Sorcery, first album of original music in 20 years. And uh, during the interview, he, he tells you why and, and what got him motivated to, 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 to make music again. So do listen for that. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great chat. It's a short chat. We had 15. We went a little bit over. And uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing his show on uh, July 8th. Now, I am recording these talk-ups and putting this up on July 4th of 2019. So to all my American friends, fans, supporters, followers, happy 4th of July. And as you know, love your country. Love your, I, I love the States. You know, I, the States are great. I, if, I, if I could move and live in San Diego, I would. Um, birthplace of some of the greatest rock and roll, whether it's Alice Cooper or Kiss or Aerosmith or any of those bands. Uh, listen, a lot of the bands I listen to are American. I do, I do love my Thunder and my Def Leppard and 
and and my Sabbath and and uh, you know uh, you know the the UK stuff, but the states, man, cheap trick, right? You got you got to love that. Uh, yesterday I saw Buck Cherry Munch. I love them. So just uh, thank you to all my uh, American friends, fans, supporters, listeners. Uh, happy Fourth of July! And um, listen, if you're not listening to this on uh, the Fourth of July. Well, happy whatever random day you're listening to this on, I guess. Does Hallmark make a card for that, by the way? Happy random day. And if you're not listening to this in 2019, happy whatever year you're listening to this in. Anyway, uh, let us get on to uh, Little Stephen. Just an absolute uh, great chat and, and a great thrill to uh, to speak with him. Um you know, when I started off uh, doing the uh, the rock reporting thing, it was for a magazine out of Toronto, and it was always heavy metal. It was death metal, death metal, heavy metal. And uh, I got known as in Montreal as the heavy metal guy. But in my heart, I've never been a heavy, heavy, heavy metal guy. I love heavy – I mean, I love heavy metal. You know, I love my Judas Priest and my Iron Maiden and my Megadeth and my Metallica in particular. But I've always just been a music guy. I, I could – you know, listen to the Black Album, followed by listening to Rio by Duran Duran. You know, I could uh, be in a car and and be able to appreciate, you know, a Madonna song on the radio. Um, you know, so so I've always just been a music fan. And I love the fact now that since I'm doing this alone and all by myself, that I can stretch out and I can do Little Steven and I can do Mickey Curry and I can do... You know, uh, Jim Kerr of, of um, Simple Minds and, and Boy George. And then, of course, do the Kiss guys and, and, and the Aerosmith guys and, and, and Kirk Hammett and Metallica. Anyway, I, I hope that uh, fans out there are appreciating the, the, the diversity. I'm not sure many other shows will give you Warrant one week and, and Melissa Etheridge the next. Or, as is the case during Mitch Marathon Month, Melissa Etheridge on Monday and Warrant on Tuesday. But uh, anyway, listen, uh, for for the rest of July, I've got a couple more interviews scheduled with um, George Thurgood about, amongst them and uh, Ghost, the band Ghost. But uh, I think I'm going to have to hang up the microphone and, and just concentrate on getting all these episodes that are sitting in the can out and uh, get them to you. But uh, anyway, here is, without further ado, the man who has probably... The album of the year, or certainly top ten con- consideration, well, actually top five consideration, uh, Summer of Sorcery, it is the one, the only, Little Steven. We are speaking with uh, Stevie Van Zant. of course, the new album is uh, Summer of Sorcery. And uh, Stevie, I have to say, I, I put on my socials yesterday that I was going to talk to you, and this one fan wrote in and said... If Summer of Sorcery is not the album of 2019, I don't know what is. There is an absolute love for this album. So, right? I mean, it, it's a great, great album. So so talk to me just about putting it together and, and the importance of making new music. Because in your career, uh, as it is, you could go out there, put your name on the marquee and go play a show. And, and here in, in, in Quebec on uh, July 6th at the Festival d'Été du Québec and on July 8th at the Olympia in Montreal, you could go play those shows and you could put you could stitch together a greatest hits. And <laughs> right. Uh, talk to me. Oh, about- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, 
Well, um, you know, I, I came back into this really by accident. Um, very quickly, in 2016, um, I'm in London at the end of the East Street Band Tour. And a friend, uh, a local promoter, says, when are you coming back from London? I said, well, me and my wife are coming back for Bill Wyman's birthday, you know, the original bass player in the Rolling Stones. And, and, and um, he said, well, that happens to be the same week as my blues festival. Why don't you throw a band together and play it? So, you know, I said, wow, I haven't done that in, you know, 25 years. Um, you know, it sounded like fun. So that's what I did. And so by pure accident, by pure circumstance, I get reconnected with my own music after 20 years. And I put, it, I put together a bunch of, you know, some blues songs, you know, some Paul Butterfield, some Electric Flag. And then I did about a dozen of my own songs. And I was very surprised. It was kind of a revelation um, to rediscover this stuff because it's, it's kind of unique. And I, and I realized, you know, this rock meat soul thing that I was into really um, remained unique. You know, it was different back then and, it was, and it's different now. And um, it just seemed to have a value that I thought was worth, you know, really taking another look at. So we decided to do the Soul Fire album. Uh, I, I wasn't ready to write a whole new album after all, these, all this time, so I did an album of songs I'd written for other people. That's what the Soul Fire album was exactly two years ago. And uh, and that was fun, so we decided to tour with that. And, uh, you know, Bruce is on Broadway, so, uh, you know, I didn't have a new TV show at the time. But I said, you know what, let, let, let me take a couple of years here and, and reconnect with my own music. And um, so the Soul Fire tour was extremely important. And the fact that this band stayed together, you know, these are the most requested New York session guys in the world. I mean, they're unbelievably good, as you're going to see when you see the show. And they stayed loyal to me this whole time um, and ended up, you know, not only doing the Soul Fire album and Soul Fire tour, uh, resulting in that huge um, seven album uh, live Soul Fire box set, but also the new Summer of Sorcery album. So. Uh, it's the first time in my life I've ever done two records in a row with the same band. And about halfway through the Soul Fire tour, uh, you know, reabsorbing my stuff, uh, you know, night after night, uh, slowly some new ideas came. I said, wow, you know, if I'm going to get back into this, I do want to do something different, though. I don't, I don't want to be political anymore, and I don't want to be autobiographical anymore. I've done that, you know, and um, this doesn't feel relevant right now. Uh, I, I want to do an album of fiction and, uh, you know, 12 little movies. I could be a different character in each. And uh, because uh, we're in such a dark time politically, I thought, you know, what we really need, if I can do it, I want to do something that's hopeful and optimistic and, uh, and a little bit of light here in the darkness. And, uh, you know, let's, let's do a summer album and let's try and recall those feelings that we, when we first discover summer, you know, that wonderful feeling of unlimited possibilities and the thrill of just, you know, school is out and, uh, you know, here comes, here comes summer and falling in love with life and falling in love with love. You know, I wanted to just recapture that and provide a little light right now in, in the darkness. So, you know, that was, that's what happened. And, and you've done it so well. It, it is such a fun album. And, and yes, of course, school's out. Uh, nothing says summer like that Alice Cooper song. Um, just real quick, though, talk to me about promoting new music in this day and age. You know, in the old days or in the 70s and 80s, you, you had the album and you had the, the album cycle tour and, 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 and radio. And now with, with YouTube and Spotify and music sort of just being everywhere, it's sometimes hard to find 
an artist. Uh, what are some of the challenges you face in, in getting the word out on a new album and promoting new music? Yeah, it, it, it is a challenge, um, mostly because, it, it, like, as you say, it's it, it's so. Um, I mean the 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 modern technology has made it possible for everybody to be their own record company and their own you know radio station and everything else. So we have more music in the atmosphere than ever before. And, um, you know, so the marketing challenges are the same as they always were, uh, maybe, you know, and, and even more challenging now, um, to, to kind of cut, cut through, uh, you know, this, this vast amount of music being made. So all you can do, uh, is, uh, you know, do all the interviews you can and, and, uh, and uh, the usual stuff, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm, I'm with Universal, which is a big record company, and uh, they've been a lot of help. And um, luckily, I have my own radio station, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I don't have to worry too much about radio airplay. I mean, my my radio station's in a hundred countries, you know, and and twenty four seven on Sirius satellite as well. So you know, I got my own radio kind of covered, but but. Um, uh, it's it's tough, you know, and, and you know, going out with, and with the band has been like starting from the beginning. Uh, you know, doesn't matter how much success you have with the East Street Band or with Sopranos or with Lily Hammer or with the Underground Garage or anything else. Um, when you go out to play live, it's it's starting from the beginning, man, and um, you know, so you have to adjust to that. And when you're doing something this important and this sort of new for people, because most of the people coming to my shows are coming out of curiosity. You know, they don't really know very many of the songs. And we have to win them over song by song, which we do with this fantastic band. But, but you know, you got to face that, that reality. You know, um, the, the success you have in one area does not necessarily translate to any success in another area. You know, I mean, I... You know, my, my Lilyhammer show in Norway, one-fifth one of the population watched that show every week, uh, over a million people. You know, it's a country of five million, and over a million people watch that show every week, and yet I go to Oslo and I play a club. I play, like, you know, a thousand people in a club. So, you know, one one success does not necessarily translate to another success, and so you have to adjust to that and, and realize, you know, as far as live performance, you're kind of starting all over again. Yeah, you really are. And, and and by the way, Underground Garage is terrific. In fact, consider this my addition for a slot on the on the channel. <laughs> uh, uh, but 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 speaking of of Underground Garage, uh, you've had a chance to work with an artist who in North America is, is somewhat underground, and that is of course Michael Monroe of Hanoi Rock. You you did uh, the, you you were part of the Not Faking It album and also Demolition Twenty Three. Just if you could talk to me about. The Demolition Twenty Three project, but also Michael Monroe, and and what is it about North America that we just didn't get him because he's he's such a rock and roll guy. I mean, he's 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 it, yeah. right? Yeah, no, he is. He's one of the legends of rock and roll at this point. Um, he had he he's had the song of the year several times in in the Underground Garage. So the Underground Garage audience knows him very well. Um, I don't know when it comes to who, why someone is a success and why someone isn't usually comes down to management, to be honest. And, um, 
you know, so they probably, Hanoi Rocks probably had the wrong management at the time. Um, you know, who knows? But um, I met him, uh, Stiv Bader's introduced me to him. And um, we just got along right away. You know, I just, I really dug his whole energy. And he's still, he's still absolutely insane. I mean, he's one of the great performers of all time to this day. Um, so I, you know, so he, he was starting to do solo records because his drummer had died. You know, the Hanoi Rocks drummer, uh, Razzle, had died uh, in a tragic car accident with the uh, uh, Motley Cruz singer. Yeah, Vince. And, uh, Vince Neil. Yeah, 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 which was just a horrible accident. And it was so depressing for Michael that they actually broke up the band. And uh, so he was doing a couple of solo things, and I, and I, you know, I, I, I wrote a couple of things for him, co-wrote a couple of things, and uh, and then we decided, you know, let's do a classic punk album. And uh, and so we uh, we we took Sammy, the bass player from Hanoi Rocks, and uh, a great drummer we found, and and a fantastic young guitar player. And we did the Demolition 23 album, which is one of my favorite albums of all time, which I have got to re-release. Um, it hasn't been really available, and i gotta, I got to get that re-released because it's one of my favorites, some of my favorite songs I've ever written. And, um, and we took it around to record companies, and uh, they said, no, punk is over, you know, and it's not coming back. And then, uh, you know, six months later, Green Day happens, and <laughs> Offspring, and all these, you know, these new punk bands all of a sudden started popping up all over the place. But um, well, anyway, we got rejected, so we put it out on my own label, which, you know, didn't have any distribution at the time, and nobody really heard it. It's a shame. And like I said, I got to get it back out. But it's a classic, classic punk album in the, in the you know, Ramones, Pistols, you know, tradition. And, uh, and we, uh, to this day, it's just some of my favorite stuff, so... You know, and, and he and he continues to make records and, and great ones. Uh, like I say, he's, I think last year he had the song of the year in the Underground Garage voting uh, at the end of the year. You know, people vote. So he's, um, you know, he's still he's hanging in there. And and, and he became a, a TV star locally. I think he was he was the host of some TV show, like like a I don't know one of those you know The Voice or American Idol type shows, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious when you think of Michael doing a straight job. But uh, I think he became quite popular as a, as a local TV show uh, person, you know, in in, uh, in Finland, you know. Yeah, well, he, he's doing great now. I know we only have 15 minutes, so I'm just going to move along here. But now that Summer of Sorcery is out and you're playing these shows, is it sort of the beginning of the next phase of doing more new original music? Or is it, OK, it's been done and now I'm going to go back to acting and now I'm going to go back to Bruce? You know, it... it no, How no, do you sort no, of see it? Really, yeah, no, I think, I think Soulfire was the end. You know that that was the, that was just the, the end chapter of that book, and Summer Sorcery is the first chapter of a whole new book. You know, uh, I really it really does feel that way to me, um, because uh, it, it, it's such a major artistic breakthrough for me to uh, to break out of that. You know, like I said, you know, doing nothing but autobiographical political music. Um, and was and I wasn't sure I could do it. You know, I wasn't sure I could write songs for myself the way I write songs for other people. You know, and and, um, and now that I I know I can do it, it really is a whole new rebirth for me. So, 
I'm going to find a way to keep the disciples of soul together and um, and continue to work with the East Cheap Band, of course. We'll see what Bruce wants to do at the end of this year, if he wants to go out next year or not. Uh, and then I'll, you know, try and squeeze the TV show in there in between somehow. I don't know how, but, uh, you know, that requires about six months that I can't find at the moment. But, uh, um, you know, well, I want to keep both, both, both bands going, obviously. And, um, so this is, this is very much the beginning. Good. And, and I, and I know fans are going to be looking forward to it, to more, more of, uh, more music actually. Um, and then just real quick here, the underground garage, talk to me about sort of the concept and the importance of that channel, because you feature a lot of music that gets forgotten or gets looked over. And to me, it's, it's an essential service that you're providing, you know? So just to quickly talk about well, the, the success of that channel. Well, as radio, you know, evolved, if you can call it an evolution, you know, devolved is probably a better, you know, description. But as radio changed through the years, I realized that uh, they began to have categories for everything except rock and roll, you know, and that sounds weird. But it's true. You know, traditional rock and roll uh, really does not have a format. Uh, you know, you can find blues on the radio easier or jazz, you know. Um, and I thought that was weird. And I thought, you know, the Renaissance music, and I consider the 60s a Renaissance period because the greatest art being made was also the most commercial. And we won't see that for a couple hundred years. Um, the Renaissance music was basically um, disappearing. You know, you couldn't hear, uh, you know, I mean, I never thought the day would come that I would be the only one playing the Beatles on the radio, but that's what it's coming to. And, uh, and I thought, man, we need a new, we need a new format here. Uh, so um, I decided I'm going to do a format with uh, essentially the British invasion and in the, in, in the sixties at the center of it. So I'm going to play everything that influenced the British invasion and everything the British invasion has influenced uh, as a way of connecting the dots. And, uh, and that means, you know, you're going to include blues and soul and R&B. We go back to 1951 and all the way up to modern day. You know, we also play, of course, new bands. We've introduced over a thousand new bands in 17 years. And, um, and so you put all of that stuff together and people have said, of course, you can't do that, you know. You can't mix up genres. You can't mix up eras. You know, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't put all that together. I said, yes, you can, you know, if it's the right songs. And we play, so we play all 60 years and coming up to 70 years of, of rock and roll now, which is an incredible uh, period of time when you think about it. You know, 70 years of, of, of being relevant. You know, you can still hear uh, the influence of, the greatest blues and rock and roll in, in the music of today. I mean, it's diluted, obviously, quite a bit, but it's still kind of there. And then still is, is modern, all modern music really directly comes from this stuff, you know. And if you go back 70 years before the 60s, <laughs> you know, you're not going to hear much of that, you know, uh, whatever, whatever they were playing, you know. In the uh, you know in eighteen eighteen eighty or eighteen seventy you know uh, so it's a remarkable life lifespan. Oh, I can't hear you. Oh, there you are. I lose you? Yeah, you lost me for a second, but there you are. Um, yeah, yeah. I was, just, I was just saying it's an incredible you know this umbrella we call rock and roll has has been you know 
you know, remaining relevant somehow. Anyway, so I just wanted to make sure that the best music in the world was, was going to be on the radio and accessible to future generations, you know. And, and and that was the that was the impetus of the of the of the uh, of the radio format, and and it's a great format. Now I know we we ran over our our fifteen minutes, so so I want to thank you. That's and I just, okay. Yeah, that's okay. And I'll, and I'll just remember remind the folks that uh, July sixth at the Festival d'Été du Québec in Quebec City, July eighth at the Olympia, and uh, hopefully. Uh, Universal will approve my tickets because I do want to come and check this out. So, so Stephen, oh, no, no. You, you, you don't need Universal. You, you, you be my guest. Thank you. Uh, I, yeah, well, we, we will, we will, we will, we'll take care of you. Anybody you want to bring, please come back and say hello. Would love to come out with my wife if that's possible. And and thank you, and thank Absolutely. you for thank you for today. And I look forward to the July eighth throw. And of course, folks, uh, Summer of Sorcery is the album of 2019 it's only july but i'm declaring it early uh steven uh, as we say here merci thank you <laughs> thank you my friend I'll cheers see cheers see you july right. bye-bye now bye-bye you're listening to rock talk with mitch lafon rock talk